Hi, I'm Charity Bailey. Welcome to Girl, We Need to Talk. I got the idea for this show as I was in the thick of my grief. I had just lost my dad and I was trying to figure it out. And while this show is not therapy, I hope that you find it helpful. I hope that you can use it as a resource and I hope that it helps you grow through your grief. My father died on June 20th, 2018. I was 37 years old and suddenly everything I knew about myself was uprooted. I had so many questions and there were so many layers to peel back. Who am I? What do I want in life? What will my legacy be? Why? Why am I so angry? Why do I shut down? Why do I explode? Why do I overeat? Why do I attract certain people, certain men? And why do I date these men? Why am I wired this way? Who was my daddy? The man, the father, the husband and son. Who am I because of him? Why do I feel the need to fight and why do I pride myself on the fight? I had so many questions. See, I've always been a daddy's girl, a guy's girl, and the homie. But in this season, it was the women in my life who carried me. My mantra for 2019 was happy, healthy, whole. I was determined to face my grief and heal. I went to therapy, tried acupuncture, hit the gym, and spent a lot of time with God in worship. My girls were there with me every step of the way. I found strength and vulnerability. We had open, honest, transparent conversations, and that's what we do here in this space. So grab your journal, light some candles, pour a glass of wine, and get cozy, because girl, we need to talk. We start the show with my therapist. I started seeing her coincidentally about a week after my dad passed, and I went right in and I told her, hey, I'm okay, I'm fine. I've lost my grandmother, that was a big loss. I can do this. People don't know this, but we had been estranged from my dad. He had been sick, so I was kind of expecting it. And she knew better, because while I thought I was going to be okay, she just said, okay. <laughs> she explained to me that grief does not come in stages like we've been taught. Instead, it's a roller coaster. There's highs, there's lows, there's a lot of in-between, and she helped me work that out. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to my therapist, Ms. J. Tate. Eugenia. Welcome to the show, Ms. J. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you've been so instrumental in my healing and my growth. And so first of all, I just want to say thank you. Oh, it's been my pleasure. It's also been a privilege. Thank you. So let's talk about it. Grief. I've been estranged from my dad. He was sick, so I thought I was going to be fine, like just another step in the process. What's wrong with that thought process? I'm okay. Well, there's nothing wrong with that thought process. It's actually a stage in grief. So I know that one of the things that you wanted us to talk about today were the stages of grief. When you're like, I'm okay, that's denial. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So that's why when you came in and you told me that, I was like, okay. Good for you. <laughs> right? Um, there's nothing wrong with anything that you're feeling associated. That's what I think one of the things that I do, first of all, grief counseling is not fun for me because I like to fix things. Those of us who mm -hmm. are in therapy, we like to fix things. We like to make things better. We like to heal people. We like, you know, and really we can't, if you're suffering a loss, we can't fix that. You, we yeah. have to help you walk through it, but we can't fix it. 
Yeah, well, you specialize in healing and transformation, and you definitely helped me walk through it. Uh, so for people who may not be familiar with the stages of grief, let's go through them. Okay, so we've got denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So denial is, I'm fine. Or denial is, it doesn't feel real. Mm -hmm. Or denial is when people come in and say, I can't seem to feel anything. What's wrong with me? I can't feel anything. That feeling of numbness. Yeah. You know? And what I like to tell people about all of these stages is that unlike what we assume when we say stages, that it's going to go in this nice orderly progression, that's not how feelings work. So denial is something that can show up Sometimes it shows up in the morning, you wake up in the morning and it's almost like you forgot and then you remember and then it hits you again. You know, so denial is just another part of the process. Um, it doesn't feel real. And it, it's like one day you'll be really, really suffering and the next day you can't feel anything. And that's denial. Um, anger is kind of easy to understand, but it's, it's interesting because I've been thinking about, and I know you wanted to talk about this a little bit, how we as a country are experiencing grief. And certainly African-Americans and what we are going through are experiencing grief. And so I was thinking about how, when we hear about another murder, when we hear about another brutality against African-Americans, we go into, sometimes we shut down and we go into a denial. It's like, well, this is like, this is like what always is always happening, you know? Yeah. But then I thought about the uprisings as being an expression of anger and of grief. Okay. And we're definitely going to get to that because <laughs> we have a lot to talk about on that. Uh, but let's get back to this roller coaster, the roller coaster that is grief, just a little bit. Because uh, you mentioned the different stages and how we kind of teeter totter. And I just recall that. I was okay during the holiday season, right? I'd gone home to be with my family and I was, I felt okay. For the first time I felt normal, right? Some of that was just the fact that I was with my family and that felt normal to me. Uh, so I made it through the holiday season and then suddenly sometime after my birthday in January, boom, I woke up in the middle of the night crying and couldn't stop crying for three days. You know, so what, what is that about? It, it feels like you're going crazy, right? Yeah. And I'm sure that there are people at home watching this going, that's it right there. But you can't really put your finger on it when it's happening to you. But it's a stage of grief. So like I was saying, denial, I can't feel anything. Anger, you could be angry at the loved one for leaving you. You could be angry for the circumstances that happened. You could be angry at God for taking that person away from you. Another stage is depression. and so. Mm -hmm. I think you woke up in depression that day mm. and you just needed to let it out and you just needed to process it. But it feels like, like I said, it feels like you're going crazy, right? Because it just hits you. It's like somebody just comes and hits you in the back of the head. It's that song that comes on the radio and That's then, right. you know, lasts for three, four days of complete numbness, really. Well, it can happen any kind of way. That's the whole point. And so, Something I think is really important is that this, the process of grief is unique, like we are unique. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm always telling my clients, you can't do grief wrong. You know, they'll mm-hmm. come to me and say, well, it's been X amount of time. Why do I still feel this way? Or why well, I thought I was doing great. And then this happened. And why do I feel that? And why do I feel that? It's like everybody's process is unique. You could have woken up like that and cried for 40 minutes. You could have woken up like that and cried for four days. And none of it's wrong. Why, why do we have so much guilt associated with the feelings that we feel? Now, I'm asking this, too, because... <sighs> when the pandemic first started, I told my sisters, I'm like, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I just need to be honest. And I low key feel a sense of relief that daddy's not here to experience this because of the hardship it would cause on him and all of us, right? He was in a home. And so we wouldn't be able to come in and out to see him. Uh, you know, there's certain restrictions and regulations. I live out of state. There's all of these things. And so there was a sense of relief that came over me. That's like, at least I know where he's at and he's resting. But then I also feel bad and have to preface it with, I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way. Well, you know, we judge ourselves about all of our feelings, don't we? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is that we come from this American culture of, you know, you're supposed to suck it up and keep it moving. Yeah. You know, especially as black women and being strong because we've had to be. Yeah. You know, and so everything that we experience, our qualities are like a double edged sword, you know, and the things that have helped us survive sometimes aren't always positive for us. So that pick up pick up your cross and walk kind of thing or suck it up and keep it moving. That's how we've Mm -hmm. survived, but it doesn't always serve us. So we have those experiences and then we have high blood pressure. We have those experiences and then we have, you know, all the health problems that come from internalizing and keeping it moving. Yeah. Well, you always encourage me to show myself some grace in the space. Uh, How do we do that? I mean, What does that even look like? I think that's the biggest thing I ask all my clients to do with whatever they're struggling with is giving themselves grace. We criticize ourselves a lot. We tell ourselves we shouldn't feel what we feel a lot. And I'm always asking people to give themselves grace. It is okay to feel what you feel. Yeah. So this thing about feeling normal again, I asked one of my girlfriends and I asked you during the session, because at one point I was just like, I don't feel normal. My sense of normalcy is gone. My world feels shaky. It's off its balance. How do we feel normal again? Will we ever feel normal again? Well, if you think about how we grow and change, our normal is always going to be changing, right? Yeah. We're always accommodating and learning and growing. So our normal, there's always going to be a new normal. But one of the things I talk about when we're talking about grief, people say, well, if there's an anticipation that you're never going to feel this pain, that's not a realistic expectation. I like to talk about grief is that it bears witness to the quality of the life or the relationship that is gone. And so big hole, big life, big love, big hole. 
They yeah. leave a space. Our loved ones leave a space. And so I, the analogy that I like to use about grief is it's like you've got this boulder. It's like a chronic pain. It's like a boulder that you're carrying. And what happens is you learn to carry the boulder. You learn to carry it. Mm-hmm. It gets lighter. It gets easier, but it doesn't go away. It becomes a part of you. Just like our loved one was a part of us. Yeah. So it's always there. It just depends on what you fill it with. How do we move through grief in a healthy manner? Because I know for me, right, I have my cute little fluffy dog, Lacey. I love her and everybody loves her, but there was intention behind getting her because I realized that I was coming home to this empty house and it was either going to be Lacey or a raggedy man. (laughs) and I didn't want to fill it with the wrong thing and I just had to be honest with myself right like okay well swipe swipe oh he's cute like you know and it I just knew that that wasn't going to be healthy or I could fill it with food which I have a habit of eating emotionally there's all of these things that I could have done and I realized like this is what it is you need love you need to feel love and you need to experience the presence of another being so get a dog (laughs) it's the safest (laughs) bet. So how do we do it in a healthy way? One of my favorite questions that I like to ask the clients that I'm working with, regardless of what the issue is, is what Mm -hmm. brings you joy. Mm. So I ask that question because that's part of what you put in the space. And it could be as simple as your first cup of coffee in the morning. It could be hearing your children laugh in the other room. It could be profound things like when you know you've made a difference in somebody's life, but it doesn't have to be deep and profound. It can be little stuff, you know, but it's like you feed yourself what brings you joy. I think one of the things that um, is very important in overcoming or dealing with grief is our spiritual practices. Mm. So we feel ourselves with whatever that spiritual practice is. And I think those of us that don't have a spiritual connection and a spiritual practice really struggle because it's really, it's, they have to find what goes in that space, what helps to fill them up. Uh, You mentioned it earlier and how uh, grief translates into what we're currently dealing with. And we also talked about the fact that grief comes in waves, Uh, but clearly we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're fighting for social justice. The job loss is at an all time high. People are just uncertain of what's going on. And we discussed it in one of our sessions as well. It's like we're all in fight or flight mode. We can't sleep. Like what's going on with us? Anxiety is at an all time high. Depression's at an all-time high. I've been talking to a lot of my clients about this because I don't, in my work and in my life, I don't remember a time when we have felt so uncertain. We literally don't know what's going to, to happen. Yeah. You know, this is, this is um, and we hear this all the time. This is an unprecedented time. This is an unprecedented time. This is an un- unprecedented time. And so how we deal with uncertainty definitely showing up right now you know well, it's so uncertain because like one second it's one thing the next it's another you go to bed you know with a job you wake up without one then just kidding furloughed like we right. feel like we're going crazy so right. i think we have a right to feel anxious That's so what right. do we do how right. do we handle it right well it's the same things that you know and so it's like 
Anxiety is heightened during this time, but we're going to use the same skills that we would use anytime around anxiety. So the things that I've been coaching people around dealing with the pandemic is watch how much media you watch, whether it's social media or whether it's quote unquote regular media, you know, mainstream media, whatever. Watch how much you're absorbing, you know, because it can be toxic and you can start to feel overwhelmed and that uncertainty because it's like one article, the medical person says use hand sanitizer. Another article, hand sanitizer, these hand sanitizers are not safe. One article, well, you should wash your hands. One article, well, it's airborne. You need to, you know, so if you're watching too much, you're going to feel overwhelmed and you can get that feeling of really being lost and scared and anxious and go, you know what? I need to take a break from media right now. It could be a day. It could be a couple days. I've got a client right now. She's put herself on for a month. Yeah. You know? I know some folks doing that too. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned media and social media mm-hmm. and a lot of that, some of it's information, but some of it's the images, right? And in the black community, we often talk about the trauma associated with seeing another one of us gunned down in the street or abused by police That's right. being dragged, That's right. how it kind of normalizes it for non-black folk and re-traumatizes black people. So how do we make sense of that? Because we still need to get the information, but getting the information is kind of harmful too sometimes, right? Right, right. So how right. do we find so, a balance in that? Well, first of all, everybody's balance is gonna be different, right? Everybody's balance is going to be different. So when it starts to feel toxic, when, you, when it starts to feel like you're experiencing what we call secondary trauma, it's like you're being re-traumatized when you see it, you know? So notice that it's what it's, how it's affecting you and say, okay, well, you know, maybe it's time for me to take a step back, you know? But it's also something like when I'm trying to get people to think more positively, I've got this little joke that I tell, which is like, if I want you to stop thinking about a pink elephant. I'm not going to sit there and go, Charity, don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. You really don't need to be thinking of a pink elephant right now. What came into your mind every time I said pink elephant? Pink elephant. (laughs) Exactly. So if I don't want you to think about a pink elephant, I got to talk to you about blue bunnies. Blue bunny, blue bunny, blue bunny. So it's like what's been helping me because I'm taking in all this stuff as I'm trying to help my clients walk through it, there are these pages of positive images of black people. And so Mm. I'm like, black men cuddling their babies, beautiful black couples, you know, walking down the aisle to get married, um, beautiful black families dancing. And I tell myself, you know what? It doesn't matter what else is going on. This is going to continue because this is who we are. And so- You can't just shut out the negative images. You have to open yourself up to positive images and open yourself up to what keeps you in balance. What we're trying to do is create balance. Okay. So in terms of, uh, so in terms of, I guess surviving would be the word at this point. (laughs) Emotional survival. Emotional survival. So we're shutting off our social media. We're finding balance and focusing on positive images and things that feed our soul. What else? That's right. That's right. Um, Exercise, the basics. Okay. Exercise, rest, talking. Mind your own business. No, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Hey, mind your business to help you maintain yourself. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right? Okay. Sometimes we just literally need to be distracted. Um, we need to look at something happy and positive and know that, oh, getting out in nature, being grounded. So a lot of this stuff, it's like we are worrying about the past and we are worrying about the future and we're not grounded in the here and now. So mm -hmm. it's using your senses. There's this practice called mindfulness and that's using your senses to ground yourself in the here and now. What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What can you touch? What can you hear? What, what can you smell? You know, grounding yourself in the here and now so that you're not always doing like what we call catastrophic thinking. That is very real. It just makes you, I mean, even when you lose a parent, like for me, I'm freaking out about losing any and everybody, That's right? right? That's the right. dog, my mom asked me, oh, you love your dog? And I realized I was scared to say I love Lacey, the 13 pound dog, because I'm like, now I know logically that don't make sense, but here, it's like, if I say I love her, she might leave. Well, as it pertains to the current state of the world, the catastrophic thinking is like, well, if so, there's death all around us, whether it be police brutality or coronavirus related, there's job loss. Somebody like me who's already lost her job and lost everything 10 years ago, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder about, you know, losing my job again. That is so real. Catastrophic thinking. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're not losing your job today. Yeah. That's how we stay sane. Okay. It's like, what if, what if, what if, what if, okay. Some of these things are not our imagination. Some of these mm -hmm. things are real concerns. Okay. But they're not happening today. They're not happening now. Take a deep breath. Where are you now? I have my job today. I'm going to go fix some food. I'm going to go breathe. I'm going to go be in nature. Nature has been really healing during all of this because it's like, okay, but the sky is still there and look at that tree and let me walk in the grass and feel something underneath my feet. And the world is still here. Yeah. It doesn't look like it looked before and it won't look, we don't know what it's going to look like in the future, but right now, it's kind of focusing on what's what's happening right now and appreciating yeah. everything that's good in the now. Well, I think some of the fear is not knowing what tomorrow is going to hold. And mm -hmm. in theory, technically, we never know what it's going to hold, but it's just so uncertain right now. Yeah. And I think some of the things that you're describing are also self-care. There will be a later episode dedicated good. to self-care. But uh, let's just talk about how important it is as you're grieving to implement self-care and to take time for yourself uh, to be mindful of what you need. I'm so glad that you said that because one of the things that can happen when we're grieving, and I, I don't know if we talked about this with you specifically, but when we do have a day when we feel kind of okay, you talked about the guilt. Oh, you feel oh. weird when you feel okay. We've yeah. talked about like it. Not okay. I'm like, wait, I feel okay today. Right. But it's only because that happened to me this year. So my daddy died in 2018 and it's now 2020. And I was like, on Father's Day, every, you know, several people reached out to me and they're like, hey, just want to make sure you're okay. And I'm actually more upset that my sisters and I didn't get the opportunity to get together. Not that I don't miss him, but now it's weird. Like, am I 
okay that I'm not tripping or like sad or crying. This whole thing just makes you feel like you're going crazy. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So you know what? One of the things, like I said before, it's really challenging to do grief work because it's the thing that I can't fix. I help you walk through it, but I can't fix it. But what I think probably the biggest thing that I do for people when they're walking through this process is saying, that's normal. That's okay. That's part of the process. That's okay. Because you do think like you're going crazy, but everything that you're going through is normal. It's just a part of the process. So one of the things I, you talked about guilt and you talked about regret and it's like, I didn't talk about bargaining and mm. that's a stage of grief. So I talked about denial, anger, depression, bargaining is another stage of grief. And bargaining is if only, if I call that stage, if only, if only. And sometimes bargaining also fits in looking back with regret. Why didn't I remember that time on her birthday when she wanted me to get her that chocolate cake and I got her the vanilla instead? Why didn't I get her the chocolate like she asked for? Like going back and regretting things or saying, what if I had gotten there five minutes earlier? Or what if this, what if she hadn't had to, you know, just all these different things about what could have, should have, would have kinds of stuff where you're either asking God, well, I would do anything to bring them back. What if I did this? Or what if I did that? Or you're bargaining, like you're re looking back and regret of things that you think you should have done differently, or I should have spent more time with them. That's guilt comes in a lot with that too, right? Mm -hmm. So we have guilt because, listen to us, aren't we as humans funny? We have guilt because we don't feel sad enough. We have guilt because we shouldn't be feeling sad so long. We have guilt, I felt a little better today. We have guilt, yeah. why didn't I, why didn't I do X, Y, Z for them? Or why yeah. didn't I visit more often? Or why didn't I, that one time that whatever, do you know what well, I mean? Yes, and now we have guilt because, like for instance, there's a lot of folks in our industry who aren't working right now. Yeah. And then you kind of feel guilt because you are. There's all these like interesting right. nuances right. Right. and layers so, to it. When somebody says that to me, I was like, how would you being unemployed help your person that's unemployed? I know, but it's still, it, it's, a, it's a, a real thing. You and I talked about it a while back and it was the thing where folks had started to social distance apart. <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't, I'm not ready for that. And I don't want to talk on Zoom all the time because I talk on Zoom every day. And then you kind of feel guilty for that. And some of my friends in corporate America have said the same thing, you know, they feel like their friends and family need them, but they also need to shut down. So you feel guilty for not being there. It's like, <laughs> it's so much. The principle is when we are doing well, we are, better able to be of service to others. Mm -hmm. So we don't need to feel guilty about having resources and we don't need to feel guilty about being well when somebody else is sick and we don't need to feel because it gives us the opportunity to help. That being said, you know, I'm always talking about give yourself grace. You also are not going to run yourself into the ground because then you're not going to be able to help anybody, including yeah. yourself. So that's where you have to give yourself grace. It's like, you know, you're talking about let's survive. Well, let's, let's, let's turn down the negative input. Let's increase the positive input. Let's use our spiritual practices. Let's eat well, rest well, 
it's interesting how the pandemic focuses on avoiding contamination or avoiding infection, and we don't focus as much on health promotion. Be healthy, mm. be strong. So we're talking about all of these ways to stay healthy, and we started with you uh, for the web series for a reason, because therapy is important. And again, it's been very fundamental to my healing process from losing my dad to losing weight and deciding to go forward with the gastric sleeve surgery to figuring out men to surviving, trying to thrive in the pandemic. But therapy is still so taboo for so many people. Like, it's like a, uh, some folks are still like, well, we go to church for that. Some folks are like, well, I go, but I don't want to tell nobody. Why is it still such a taboo topic, especially in the black community, but in general? You know, I don't know why it is. I just know that it is. Maybe it's about weakness. Maybe it's about we don't understand what it really is. I think in the black community, we've just always thought about it as you go to therapy when you're crazy. When you are crazy, like you don't have a good grip on reality, that's when you well, go to therapy. Yeah. Well, most so, of us don't have a good grip on our reality anyway, if we're being honest. We have a lot of trauma uh, and a lot of pain, and we need help processing it. So the truth right. is, all of us are just a little bit crazy. I know y'all right. don't like to say that term, but like, let's be very clear. <laughs> We all have baggage that we're carrying That's and right. it shows up somewhere in your weight, in your skin. Like if you don't process it and heal it, it's going to show up on your coworkers, on your mates, on your children. Mm -hmm. So <sighs> therapy has been a great resource for me. So what should we be looking for when we're looking for a therapist? Because it's kind of like dating, finding it the right fit. I'm so glad you're saying that. You yeah, know, because like, somebody will go and, and have an experience with a therapist and say, oh, therapy's not for me. And what it was is that you didn't click with that person. You wouldn't go on a date and say, well, I'm not going to be in relationships now because I didn't like that person, you know? So we got to keep at it. Just yeah, at well, it. It, it's if the first person doesn't click. So it's interesting because one of the statistics that I'm very fond of is that the greatest predictor of um success in therapy is the strength of the relationship between the mm. client and the therapist. That is the best predictor. Okay. So if you don't feel you go and meet with a therapist or you talk to a therapist, cause now we're in the pandemic. So it's like, if you talk to a therapist online or on the phone or, you know, have a preliminary consultation, some therapists will do that for you. If you don't feel seen, if you don't feel heard, if you don't feel understood, if you don't have the same um, philosophy in terms of what therapy is and should do, if you don't agree on the treatment goals, next, swipe. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep at it. Keep and I know a lot, of, a lot of the websites like Psychology Today they list what you specialize in, but to the lay person, that doesn't really mean much. So how do we sort through that? Well, you know, it's interesting because I know that you got that line about healing and transformation being mm -hmm. um, my specialty, but really what that sentence says is healing and transformation is an inside job. Ah, uh, so it starts with us and then we come to yeah. you. Yeah, but you know what it's like, you. if you see somebody that, if you're seeing somebody that you feel like, I've heard this over and over again, they get me. They get me. That's the biggest yeah. predictor of success. You know, and it's like, 
okay, I need to work on my trauma. Do you have a specialty in trauma? Okay. Yeah, I got some tools for that. You know, I have depression. Do you have experience with depression? Yeah, I got some tools for that. Um, but the greatest predictor is the relationship. Well, I pulled healing and transformation from your bio, but perhaps because you get me and you've been such a big part of my healing and transformation, that's what I put out to the world. That's wonderful. That's cool. It's just knowing that it comes from within. So for me, a good therapist is like a mirror. They help you see right. yourself. They help you see your strengths. They help you see your weaknesses. They help you see your distortions, what you're not seeing rightly. I know I was looking for a black woman, right? Who could give me direction and who understands my trauma, understands my pain and understands the road that I'm trying to go down. Uh, some folks though do not have the resources for therapy and are simply not ready. So before we wrap up, what would you say to folks who A, don't have the resources, because therapy is a privilege for some of yes, us, and um, for folks who just may not be ready but want help and are trying to like get there. So it's been amazing how, well, first of all, I think we can always benefit from self-care. And so we, I know you're gonna have another se segment on that, and that's great, because we, but it's like if you can't, find a therapist or you can't get into therapy, you have to do research. You have to read on some of the things that, you know, and a lot of times what's been really kind of great, like say in the last 10 years is when people are not, maybe they're not book people, then they can, now people are doing things like they're researching topics on YouTube. They're researching topics in, um, different forums. So yeah, audio book, yeah. audio books, podcast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you can learn more about things and that helps. Well, it goes back to what you said, people getting you. So I appreciate you because you get me and you are a trusted, supportive person in my life. And uh, I'm actually understanding now as we're having the conversation and taping this episode that girl, we need to talk is a part of my grieving process. Yeah. And I think I knew it, but it's really hit me as we're actually in it now. And so <laughs> there's also healing here in this for me. And my prayer is that other folks are healed as well as they continue to watch the show. So thank you so much for your role in my journey. And uh, again, prayerfully, other folks will take some things from our conversation and uh, apply them and it'll help them grow through their grief too. All right. I appreciate you and all of the work uh, that you're doing. And before we go, let's tell water. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, yours is water. Mine is technically protein drink in a pretty glass with a lemon. There we and go. That's got, now it's giving us this like layered look over here. So I feel like I got some kind of mocktail. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, cheers to being happy, healthy, and whole. All right. Cheers. Cheers. On the next Girl We Need to Talk, as, as I encounter different situations, I'm now starting to go, oh my goodness. Think about this man who grew up in the Jim Crow South. Let's start there. I'm overwhelmed in 2020 with the fact that we're still being killed and we're still experiencing all of this inequality. Think about yeah. a man who was raised in the Jim Crow South, whose dad was raised 
in a time where he was viewed as less than human, who also didn't have the greatest relationship with him, you know, and his siblings and his mom. And now he's trying to piece it together. Like yeah. figuring out the humanity of our parents. Yeah, is they're people. Deep. Thank you for listening to Girl We Need to Talk. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Want to watch the show? Be sure to subscribe to the Miss Charity Bailey YouTube channel and connect with me across all social media platforms at Miss Charity Bailey.